morning. As you know, we are starting a new series today called Dwell. And uh, the whole idea is that God's been seeking to dwell with his people and have a relationship with people all throughout history, from the very beginning. And so today, uh, we have a very special treat because we get to have, you, you hear me all the time every Sunday, uh, uh, and today we have uh, Pastor Matt DiMatteo, who is the director of New Life Centers as well. He's going to be preaching this morning. And uh, New Life Centers is a, a ministry uh, arm of New Life Community Church. And so we, uh, this, this year, uh, we want to take a Christmas offering up during this season. And why am I telling that? Because in the next few weeks, uh, going up until Christmas Sunday the 20th, uh, we want to be able to take an offering. God has been doing amazing things uh, through New Life Centers. And I, my prayer today is that you would be able to see uh, it, the impact that, that God is using New Life Centers uh, throughout the city of Chicago. And so without further ado, I want to invite Pastor Matt DiMatteo uh, up here. We call him the Italian Stallion. Uh, but we want to welcome him, and uh, you're going to love it. Also, afterwards, if you're interested in kind of just sticking around, uh, but social distance, we're going to go into that room over there in the back, the overflow room. Uh, if you have questions, you can always contact New Life Centers direct um, and maybe send an email there uh, if you're online as well. So if you want to stick around afterwards, there's going to be some space there, uh, just a little bit of time to be able to connect with Matt DiMatteo. God bless. Good morning, everybody. How are you? It's nice that they let me out of Little Village uh, for one Sunday. But it, it is fun to be here because Little Village, we actually have not met in person since March. Um, the last few weeks, we have been in person, a small gathering. Uh, but my wife and I uh, were able to be at Humble Park for a lot of the summer. Uh, at that location, we met in the park, so it was good to be with brothers and sisters. But 2020 is a funky year, right? It's a heavy year. It's a challenging year. And so um, I wanted to start out, we're going to be going through this series called uh, Dwell, and I'm really excited uh, about it uh, over these next few weeks. But before I get into that, uh, I need to pause quick because it is someone special to me's birthday. It is my wife's birthday uh, today. And so since we can't like have any parties or do anything fun during COVID or even go out to her favorite restaurant... I figured let's try and sing happy birthday to her and really embarrass her. Does that sound good? Uh, I'm going to make her stand up. She's got to stand up. This is part of the birthday party. All right, let's sing. And I'm not going to sing and, and bury you, so let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I don't know that I told you her name there, so I apologize for the, for the week setup. Her name is Sarah. Um, so I'm so thankful to be here. I'm really excited uh, to be here. Thanks for having me up. I've actually never been in this space, uh, so it was fun coming up to the north side, get away from the south side a little bit and enjoy some time together. But to say that Thanksgiving was different this year would be an understatement, right? As to be expected, social media captured the reality of Thanksgiving super well. So I want to go through a couple of these uh, 
tweets here. See if my uh, controller will work, otherwise I'll hand to it. If you don't start your Thanksgiving Zoom invites with, you are COVIDly invited, I don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't need to celebrate Thanksgiving this year because I've already spent every day of 2020 arguing about politics with my family and then falling asleep after eating too much. <laughs> People complaining about missing one Thanksgiving have clearly never worked holidays. Make sure you turn your bathroom scales back 15 pounds Wednesday night for Thanksgiving. We should cancel Thanksgiving this year, said the turkeys. I feel like Thanksgiving is going to be a piece of cake this year. I've been getting my stomach prepared since March. Overeating, napping, eating again. Let's go, Thanksgiving. I'm dominating you this year. Hashtag 2020. So all humor aside, though, um, Thanksgiving this past uh, couple two weeks ago was not the way uh, it's been in the past. And, I, and likely our holidays, our Christmas time, our large gatherings with families uh, won't be happening. And for many, Thanksgiving is meant to be a time to gather together with family, to eat too much, to play games, to watch football, but not this year. Large family gatherings were canceled, seeing extended family over video or Zoom, if at all. And those who did travel, there was tension if to go or not and how to handle gathering. But this year's holidays make us aware of desires that focus on people and place. And I think if we learned every, anything this year, how important the people in our life are to us, how important the spaces uh, we have are to us. And we want to be in a specific place, but we can't. Or we desire for a certain place to be a certain way, but it can't be. We wanna be with specific people, but we can't. Or we desire to have people at a certain place, but doing so is much harder than normal. These desires connect so well to the deeper desires that we all have. We desire for the world to be a certain way, for our lives to be a certain way, for our relationships to be a certain way. But just like COVID has transformed life as we know it this year in 2020, the world, our lives, and our relationships are also hindered at a deeper level. And nothing we do is able to fix things. And we are all unable to satisfy our desires on our own. And so, those desires continue. We continue to long for a certain reality of place and people, even if we don't realize the desires, or even if we can't do anything to fulfill them. Which is why I'm excited about our Advent series starting today called Dwell. To dwell is to live someplace, to be someplace. To dwell is to remain somewhere. Not simply to wander aimlessly or meaninglessly, but to exist in a place somewhere. The Bible teaches us that God created the world and he dwells within it. It also teaches that God came to us so we could dwell with him. We were meant to, that was his plan. Acts 17, 28 says, for in him we live and move and exist. 1 Peter 3, 18 explains that, explains that Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. We were meant to dwell with God, to be at home with him. And in this series, we're going to look at what that means. What does it look like to dwell with Christ? And how appropriate to worship him this way during Advent. I'm going to take us through a few key passages about how Jesus, the light of the world, 
came down to dwell among us. As in this Advent season, it's a season of waiting and looking and waiting for the coming Christ. But I'm also going to spend some time talking about, as Asa said, the work of New Life Centers. Talk about how we dwell in the city and how we work uh, in the city. How we try to dwell with our neighbors, shining the love and hope of Christ in this challenging season. So let's pray and then we'll jump in uh, to this part, first day of our series, uh, Dwell. God, we thank you for time to come together. We thank you that we can come, even if it's in a different way. Thank you for just the body of Christ and the fact that we can celebrate together, we can worship, we can sing. We thank you, Lord, for coming to dwell among us. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. First point I want to make is that Jesus came to dwell among us, light in the darkness. And that's what we celebrate and think of in the season of Advent and the season of Christmas, right? The coming of the Christ, coming to live amongst us, uh, taking on human form. And I want to read here John 1, uh, 1 through 5. You can follow along on the screen uh, or you can look up on your own and then add 14. It says, in the beginning... The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Then to verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So right there in that passage where it says the word, Jesus is the word. He was with God. He created everything. He gave life to everything. And think about that. Jesus had a perfect dwelling. He was right there at the right-hand side of the Father in heaven. And he made an intentional decision to become human, to become less, to become like us, to come down from heaven and dwell among us. And as the verse says in verse 14, and now we can see his glory. And the entire reason of this season of Advent or waiting is pointing us to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear something clear. In the midst of a crazy season, in the midst of a heavy year, where many of us have lost jobs, many of us have lost loved ones, many of us have been separated and far from loved ones, we've had challenges with COVID, we've had challenges at a national level, we're facing pandemics of violence in our city, violence has almost more than doubled, We're facing pandemics of racism. We're facing all of these challenges around us. It seems like the world is more divided than ever before. But even in the midst of all that, know that Jesus is the light. He is the hope. And he's never left you or forsaken you. You haven't gone through this year by yourself. He didn't say, I'm going to take 2020 off. I'll be back in 2021. He's not sitting here saying, hey, I hope they survive this. God is with us throughout this entire season. And I know some of you uh, have faced some serious challenges. I know it's been a heavy season for us 
in Little Village, 60623, where I live, is the hardest hit by COVID in the entire state of Illinois. We've had close to 200 people die in Little Village alone. I've had to stay separate from my dad. And some of you that know me, my dad is, is battling stage four cancer. He probably has less than a year to live. And so having to, to, to uh, kind of navigate that, do we go see him? He's an hour away in Indiana. Do we make the drive? Is it, it's a risk if we bring COVID to him. We just celebrated his 65th birthday on Monday. And he talked and shared with us and said, this is likely my last birthday. And so facing those things as we walk with family. And then end of October, actually my wife and kids, we all got COVID. And so we battled COVID for the month of November. And a small piece of grace in all of this is that now I can go see my dad for the next few weeks, few months. I can go. We've gotten clearance by our, our friends, our doctors, and said, hey, you have a few months at least. It should be safe to go see him. So thankfully, over Christmas, we're going to get to go be with him for the entire week. And so small gifts in the midst of challenging season. But I want you to hear loud and clear. Maybe you came into the space heavy laden, carrying burdens, tired, weak, feel like throwing in the towel, don't know how you're going to provide financially. Maybe you can't get gifts this year. Maybe just not being able to be with family, feel isolated, alone. In all of that, Jesus the Christ came down from heaven to dwell among us, and he's with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. And that is the waiting. If anything, we've, we've learned to physically have to wait in 2020. We've pushed through, and God is with you. So I'm going to talk a little bit. My next point is that so now Jesus has come down and brought the light to dwell among us, but then he then entrusts us to be the light wherever we dwell. So Christ comes from heaven to dwell among us, bringing light to the world, and now that light lives within us to shine wherever we dwell. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is the light, and with him, we are to be the light to those around us. We're called to shine that light, not hide it. Dwelling and place matter. Dwelling and place matter. God has strategically placed you here in Chicago. God has strategically placed you in your workplace. God has strategically placed you on your block. And I have a question for you. Is the light in your life in the place that you dwell, in a basket or on a stand? Is the light that shines within you, is it under a basket or is it on a stand? Do those around you see the light in you? Do those around you see Christ in you? And how about our church, New Life Norwood Park here? If this building... Beautiful space, been rehab, prep, you guys have been waiting, you've been juggling around in the school, etc. If this building were to burn to the ground tonight, would the neighborhood around us feel the loss? 
Or it would be just, oh, do you see that building went down? I wonder what it was. Is the light in your life shining and making a difference? Do people notice something? If you were to leave, would there be a void? And I was to think that way. And that's where we uh, really started thinking in Little Village. And I'm going to talk a little bit now uh, about the work of New Life Centers. I've been with New Life for about 20 years now. I knew Asa pre-gray hair. Okay? I knew Asa. I was a young 18-year-old kid when I came to New Life, when I met Elizabeth and Asa. And now I'm 38. So it's my 20th year being at New Life. And so have seen amazing things happen. But in about 2006, I was hired full-time as the youth pastor. And Paco and I uh, sat in the space at New Life Little Village. And we said, what do we do now? And Really, uh, we, there was a quality of life plan that a neighborhood group had done, and it looked at everything like the schools, the businesses, the churches, the parks. And in the middle of this document, 50 pages long, was a map, and there was a list of 10 churches, and New Life Little Village was not even on the map. We had been there already for a decade, and the community groups didn't even know we existed. And so we realized uh, we need to change that. And so I actually sat down with uh, Chewy Garcia. He's our congressman now. Uh, you might know him. He ran for mayor. Uh, he ran a local community group back then. And Paco and I basically repented to him and said, you're doing the work that the church should be doing. We're done just standing around. And so what we did is we took all of 2006 to 07, and we canceled all of our in-church programming. I think a lot of times we at church, our method of outreach is come to church. It's come to church. Well, if we've learned anything in 2020, that method sometimes cannot work because we can't physically gather in spaces. And so we got out of our four walls for an entire year. And the beautiful thing is we didn't have to plan the events. We didn't have to pay for the events. All we had to do was show up. And we brought the body of Christ to where God already was working. And a good friend of ours that Asa and I know, Ray Baki, uh, he taught us one thing. He said, look at the areas around you that God is working without you and go there. I think a lot of times, especially a Western American mindset, we think that we have to create the best programs. We have to create the best youth group. We have to create the best this, the best that. And those are not bad things. They're important things. But the idea isn't to come to a program. That's not God's design. That's not what Jesus did in the Gospels. Jesus took the light, the hope of the world to the people. And guess what? He strategically placed you already at a job that I have no access to. I think sometimes we think that, oh, Asa, the pastor, that's the pastor's job. If only I can get my family, my aunt, my sister to the pastor or have the pastor come over, hopefully they'll get saved. That's not how God designed it. You have the light, the hope of Christ in you. And our call is to bring it to those spaces that only you are in. Only your family will listen to you or know you or connect with you. And some of you just said, my family doesn't listen to me. Um, your work, your neighbor, et cetera. You are the one placed there to bring the light to those spaces. And so New Life Centers, actually Asa helped form New Life Centers back in 2005. As a church, Pastor Mark was driving down Kedzie and got to 39th, and there was a young man that used to come to church that hadn't come in a while. So he pulled over, went to talk to him, and as he was talking to him, the young man kind of hung his head. He was on crutches, said, hey, sorry, Pastor, I haven't been in church uh, he had actually joined a, a street organization. He had gotten shot and uh, was kind of just hanging his head. And Pastor Mark, at that moment, realized we have to do something different. 
And so that's where uh, Asa, Mark, and a few others came together. We wrote up the papers to create an official nonprofit, uh, which we called New Life Centers. And New Life Centers, our mission is that we're neighborhood-based centers that connect youth and young adults to Christ and community through mentoring, education, sports, street outreach, and food distribution. And that has grown uh, over the years. That has continued to mold and morph. Uh, we're in four spaces, Little Village, Humble Park, Brighton Park, and Midway, and really our five core areas. So we connect one-on-one -on -one with young people. We have about 250 uh, young people that get mentoring. I've been with my mentee uh, for about 10 years now. He lives across the street from us. Uh, his dad passed when he was two years old, and he just graduated high school from Curie. And so we've seen God work, and the idea is walking together, life on life with young people. And so we connect with them, we point them to Christ, we host them. We've had to morph that, what that looks like in 2020. Uh, our next area is after-school education. So in Little Village and Humble Park, we have two neighborhood centers uh, where we have about 125 kids come uh, throughout the year. So it's after school, three to six, five days a week in both those spaces. That's obviously changed a bit. Uh, we have a summer camp. And so education is a big part of what we do. We have a Rise Creations that you uh, have a piece of paper on your seats about, uh, a jewelry design kind of uh, social enterprise. So that's all under our education. Uh, sports, we believe uh, in the power of play. Play is a, is a powerful way for young people to deal with trauma. And so we program about 2,500 young people through sports. I love baseball. So 10 years ago, I started the Little League in Little Village when my daughter was four. Uh, she just turned 14. And now we have about 325 kids that play baseball. Benny loves basketball. So we have a bunch of kids that play basketball. Epi on our staff loves running. I didn't think youth would love running, but he started a running club. And now we have uh, youth running marathons, half marathons. And they run still two to three times a week. So using the power of sport... Uh, to connect with young people. Then an important part of our work is street outreach. Uh, so we reply uh, and respond to every incidence of violence in Little Village, and we work closely uh, with uh, young people. We work with CPD. We work with citywide partners in an effort to stop the violence. And so we respond to those shootings. Uh, and then our final area is food distribution, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a second. But by the grace of God, we decided to be an intentional light right where God placed us. So from 14 years ago when we said, man, we don't even, nobody knows us in this community. Now to see how God has transformed that and to see that if New Life were to leave Little Village or the city now, New Life Centers, there would be a big void. And so I spend a lot of my time, uh, three times a week, I'm with the heads of CPD. Uh, this Tuesday morning, I'll be meeting with the chief of police, with the heads of the mayor's office, talking about how we can stop violence. Uh, I'm on a bunch of committees around juvenile justice reform, and now the church is at the table because I believe that if we just live in a city and we let the city move on around us but don't do anything about the challenges we face, that we're missing the mark. And the church with the hope of Christ should be the ones at the table and actually leading the table. And so what we've done is we've taken the last 14 years to intentionally work at that and by the grace of God, he's opened some amazing doors. We've gone into Illinois Youth Corrections, and we had 130 kids locked up in St. Charles when we first started two years ago. Now there's 33 kids locked up right there. And so 100 kids are able to now be with family and be on the outside because the space there, they were just sitting in their cells for 18 hours a day. 
There was no programming. Those that are still in, because there, there need to be some youth uh, that are in there for safety, et cetera, we're now running programming inside the four walls. And we're able to go in and share the hope of Christ. And so I have tons of different examples, but my point is we decided to be an intentional light right where, we, where God placed us, and he's opened the doors from there. And in your own life, how can you shine as a light? Don't wait for Asa. Don't expect someone else to do it. God has placed you in a strategic spot to do his work. Don't wait any longer. You don't, I think sometimes we, we excuse ourselves out of stuff. Well, I need more training. I should probably go to Moody. I need to, re, I need to get this certification. I need to go. I need to be more prepared. Uh, and we, we kind of excuse ourselves out of things. Go now. God will equip you. You have brothers and sisters here who can walk with you. The way I read the Bible, when the disciples met Christ, they didn't go off the training course for six years. They went literally that moment. He said, drop your nets and follow me. And they started. And so my point is, look to the future. Look to 2021. And if we, we've seen, we can't wait any longer. We have people literally dying around us without the hope of Christ. And we have to go now. And so any regrets you've had in 2020, challenges you face, places you missed the mark, Commit to do something different in 2021. And you saw on the slide that our season of prayer and fasting is coming. I really challenge you to take those three weeks seriously and pray about what God can do in 2021. My final point in area uh, is he makes himself known through us. He dwelt to bring the light and now we dwell to shine his light. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21 So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And as 2020 began, none of us knew how much of a different year it would be, did we? I, I like to joke and call it Jumanji 2020. You guys seen Jumanji, the original one? It's like the next wave of Jumanji is going to come. Who knows what we have left in these last three weeks. But it's been a constant barrage of different challenges. And reconciling people to him and being Christ's ambassadors means bringing the hope of Christ to people. And so... One verse that we really base a lot of our work on is 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. It says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And I want you to see what that is saying right there. Sharing the hope of Christ, God's good news, news, the gospel, right? The hope of Christ, but life together, our lives. That's how it's meant to be. It's not meant to be just proclamation. It's not meant to be just a Sunday morning show. It is... The gospel in our life, life together. And so at Centers, 20, when 2020 came, we had to morph, like all of us. 
We started going online in March and April and changing and transitioning uh, like everybody. And we started to see what are the needs uh, around us? What are the challenges? If you remember the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there was everybody uh, having to stop going down to work. P- remember, toilet paper was gone. Now we're back at toilet paper being gone again. And you have all these different challenges. And, and people were losing their jobs. There was a need. And I remember a few of us pastors came together and we said, man, we really need to come and feed people. That's one area. And pre-COVID, we fed about 100 families a week. We partnered with Trader Joe's and, and used food rescue. And uh, in April... We had Rick Bayless heard about what, our do- what we were doing, and he donated a bunch of food. Uh, Barack Obama heard about what we're doing, and he highlighted us on his Instagram, so that raised our, our profile, and like a million new people saw and heard about the work. And then leadership and pastors as the church said, what do we do? And I remember early April, we said, what if we fed 1,000 people? What would it look like? Do you think we could ever feed 1,000 people? And we said, well, we're only feeding about 100 families a week now. Let's try to feed 1,000 families. That would be crazy. And many of you gave, and we did a a church offering, and we came together. And then by May 1st, God opened the door when we said, okay, let's make ourselves available. God opened the door, and we started coming together uh, and bringing food to people. And by May 1st, we fed 1,000 families right out the gate. By June 1st, we were feeding 6,000 families a week. That's 30,000 people every single week were getting food across seven sites in the city. And it started by saying, yes, we're available. We have no idea how we're going to do it. We have no idea how we're going to resource it. But God provided. When everything happened with George Floyd and when he uh, was killed and there was all the civil unrest in the city, uh, the outreach team was out there 18 hours a day working on the streets, trying to bring peace, walking with families, connecting. I remember one incident where we were literally between uh, 200 uh, gang members and 200 police officers, and it was a tense scene, and our outreach team sat right in the middle of it. And I ran over to the commander who I knew, and he said, Matt, we're going to clean out all these guys and lock them all up. And I said, give me two minutes to work on this. And I went back to Benny, no idea what we were going to do, but I said, we got two minutes to figure this out. And by the relationships and the grace of God, uh, Benny and the team went, and we were able to get all the guys to fall back, and we were able to see uh, peace restored. Uh, we threw a big event. There, if you remember, there was a lot of black-brown tensions rising around the city. We got a special permission on Thursday night from the mayor's office, from the head of CPD, the head of Park District, to throw what we, what we do five nights a week in the summer, to throw a big outdoor event and a gathering to really squash this and bring peace. And sure enough, we had 400 people come, black and brown from around the city, and we were able to say, man, this isn't what this is about. And we were able to bring peace and see all of that tension uh, go down. That's only by the grace of God. We didn't plan for that. We didn't know we were going to have to do that, but it's being ready and available wherever God has placed you, wherever you're dwelling. So that's a picture here of our One Lawndale campaign, bringing black and brown together. In the summer, uh, we had to morph a lot. We had... Uh, our summer camp, we had small gatherings, we were with masks. Then if you remember in August, we got the call and info that we're probably going to be doing school online. And I think we thought maybe for a couple weeks that'll be. So we started doing e-learning support. And I think when we started, we thought it would be just, hey, make sure there's a table, the Wi-Fi is good, and then we can just kind of work while the kids are on there. Anybody have kids in e-learning right now? Is that how it works? No way. So... 
It's you become a teacher, you become a lunch person, you become the gym teacher, you become the principal yelling at them to get off Fortnite while they're in class and doing whatever, and all these things. And so we have about uh, 50 to 60 kids in our centers doing e-learning support uh, and walking with those families and, and connecting with them. We never thought we would have to do that, but God's provided all along the way. And I want you to look at these numbers. This is, this is absolutely crazy. So in the last seven months, through the faithfulness of God, we have fed 130,213 households, which is 561,000 individuals, 7.7 million pounds of food. And we were questioning whether we could feed 1,000 people. That was our faith. And God said, I have a bigger plan. We can do something different. We have no idea what we're doing. I'll let the secret out the bag. I don't have some strategic plan. I don't have some great plan for, for 2021. All we know is God has called us to dwell where we're at. We have the light of the world. And guess what? He'll take care of the rest. So I'm going to close by showing a video. Because uh, I wish I could have you down and show you things. Uh, but uh, as you know, we can't do that. We're doing a, a campaign at the end of the year called Stronger Together. And part of that is the offering that you guys are going to take up. Thank you so much uh, for doing that. And our goal is to raise $100,000. Because what that will do is it will set us a foundation for 2021. Because we're going to have to continue e-learning. One cool side story I didn't say. The corner store across the street from New Life Little Village closed right when the pandemic hit. We started using that corner store. Uh, we knew the owner for years. When they finally had a buyer and we're going to sell, I said, thank you so much. We're going to move back to the church. But friends, family, and funders said, well, hold on. You guys are doing amazing. Let's see what we can do. God provided half a million dollars, and we bought that building cash. We paid cash for that building. It's under rehab now, and it will become a full-time food pantry for the southwest side. And so I have tons of those stories. If you would have told me that we would have a building, be feeding people and doing all this in March, I would have literally laughed at you. I'm like, no way. That's a volunteer run. We don't. And God said, we have a plan. And so our Stronger Together, uh, we'll have the offering here. Uh, but I'm trying, what we're trying to do is get people who say, hey, we would give monthly. And so my, one of my calls and ask is, would you become part of the monthly giving team? Even $5. Give up a, a latte, a McDonald's run once a month, and that'll go to really further the work. So we're looking for monthly donors, monthly prayer warriors who will be there. If you're up to volunteering, you can come any Tuesday or Friday and serve. Uh, we're fully masked up and out there, uh, if, but if, if not, that's okay. But if you say, I want to serve, uh, we're feeding uh, about 5,000 people a day. So you can come down to Little Village. Asa can connect us and get more details. Uh, Victoria works with us full time. You can talk to her. Uh, but I'm going to end with this video, and I want you to hear it loud and clear. It's, it's, it's amazing what will happen when the body of Christ changes the mindset from a church and building outreach model, like, hey, I just got to get my neighbor to come to church. That's what I have to do. Your neighbor can't come to church right now, right? Your neighbor is limited. But if I change my mindset to, I'm going to go meet my neighbor, connect with my neighbor, bring them a meal, walk with them, get rid of the excuse. I'm not a preacher. I don't know how to share. Your actions, your love, and your words will do the rest. God, God if you step out in a step of faith, God will work in you and through you. 
And that's the point of this series, Dwell. Jesus the Christ came to dwell among us, left an amazing, perfect place to come as a man. And now he's calling us to shine that very light exactly where he's, he's put us. So we'll close with this video. We'll pray, and then we'll go from there. Well, one of the things that I'm grateful for during this time is the ability to build up on the relationship that we have with our youth, um, our mentor relationship. Um, one of the things that I'm also grateful for is the fact that the community came in together and were able to provide resources that were very um, necessary during this time for a lot of the families. So I'm grateful for community coming together and just be, being able to continue to be a mentor to our youth. Something I'm really thankful for at these times is the way organizations like New Life can really help out families that really need the help, especially if they're struggling financially or any way. And something else I can appreciate is the way I can stay in contact with my mentor and the way he can help me out if I'm struggling and the way he can like support me and my family. One of the things that's been a struggle um, lately has been trying to adjust um, walking with families from the vine um, from before the coronavirus to after the coronavirus. Uh, but we did not take it as a challenge that was too big. We thought creatively and we continued to persevere. Uh, walking with families now looks like daily phone calls and text messages, um, emails and FaceTime <laughs> calls, checking in with them. And they're checking in with us just as much, which is a beautiful thing. Um, additionally, we're also spending time bringing packages to the families' houses that have activities in them for the kids so they can stay engaged with being creative, academics, and learning. In the middle of a pandemic, um, and in the middle of a Black Lives Matter revolution of people seeking um, a fresh new approach at living in this country, the needs are great. Uh, both there's a passion uh, that has been kindled uh, for seeking new ways, um, seeking justice. Um, at the same time, there's um, a pandemic in which people, many have lost jobs, many has lost, have lost their health, and many have lost their life as well. And that is a heavy season for our congregation and for our community. So I have the incredible privilege of working with young boys in the Illinois Youth Centers, which is our detention centers. And this time has been incredibly difficult for them. They haven't been able to have parent visits and all volunteer-led programming has stopped. And that is very key to our young people in the system. But what we've been able to do that has never been done before is we've still been able to do our Afro-Cuban drumming circle and our peace circle over the internet. And our peace circle is when our young boys will just kind of gather around in a circle, we'll pick a topic, and every kid will be able to be heard in how they feel about that particular subject. And so we were just blessed to still stay connected with them and still continue to build those relationships. What gives me hope is watching how the neighborhood has responded to COVID and the challenge of, you know, social distancing, being able to like, the, the notion of like wearing masks. Um, I've seen like the neighbors really start to take things serious, starting wearing masks, using, using PPE on a regular basis, helping their neighbors out, watching the churches come out, provide meals, watching the outreach teams do home visits, 
well-being checks on people. Um, really just seeing the neighborhood step up, or you know, in the midst of, you know, of the uncertainty with COVID. The challenge that I face today is, is more like I was growing up being a person that needed to take and, and, and I was always asking for help and I needed help, but now I'm, I'm giving the opportunity and I'm giving the blessing to actually be the ones who help others. And um, the biggest challenge also here in Little Village is the fact that we don't have too many people out here that, that tend to give or, or tend to help others. There's more of us that are out here willing, that need the help and are willing to take the help instead of give the help. So I feel like, like that's a big challenge for a lot of people out here, including myself in Little Village, knowing that, that um, we, 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 it's time for us to give back instead of always taking. I believe in mentoring because it's probably one of the most realist relationships you'll ever have. Um, mentoring means that you're non-judgmental and it's an unconditional relationship. Um, being in a low-income neighborhood, sometimes your community places a stigma on you and a lot of my youth, um, they don't always know how to break that mold. So it's my job to show them that they have opportunities outside of what their community has placed on them. Um, so essentially being a mentor for me means that I want to do better not only for myself but for them as well. Jasmine is my mentor and our relationship is so valuable because no matter what I know she'll be there for me. An example of her doing that is one time I was sick she brought me food like she didn't have to do that but she still did and she helps me with homework and even personal issues she's still there. At New Life Centers, our goal is to walk with community, especially young people uh, across our neighborhoods and really bring them into a community of love where they don't feel like they're alone. And we do this through five major areas, mentoring, after school education, sports, street intervention, and food provision. And so we're excited to be able to walk with our family members, whatever they're facing. We base this on 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 where it says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, the gospel, but our own lives too. And so it's the model of the hope of Christ with life together. Um, one of the biggest challenges that I see with, uh, during this time is the ability to do one-on-one -on -one mentoring with, uh, with our participants. Um, normally we'd be able to go out, have a meal with them, be in the same space with them, you know, take them out to a movie. Things, are, things are that we do on a regular basis like that have all kind of taken a back seat right now. And so, you know, having to have build a relate or, you know, continue a relationship, you know, through, pro through like a virtual program like Zoom, Google, it's just not the same. Um, we don't have that kind of personal interaction with, uh, with our participants, and uh, I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges right now. In the midst of so much brokenness and chaos in our world right now, I'm so thankful to be part of a community that is building justice that's restorative in our city. There are so many ways to be involved, from prayer to volunteering, and a lot of those are outlined in our website. Right now, we're asking for monthly donors because sustainability is critical to walking with young people for the long haul. Even $10 a month covers the cost of education for a young person in our summer camp here in Little Village. Would you consider becoming a monthly donor and being part of hope in the city of Chicago? We are not meant to pull ourselves by our own bootstraps. In fact, we are part of a community a family of faith that is black and brown, Asian, white. We have been invited to be a family. The family of God is multicolor, multilingual, multi-communities coming together into one, working together. 
worship team uh, closes us out with this final song, my call uh, to each of us is to pause, slow down, reflect, look to the coming king, and start to think, what do I need to change? What do I need to do differently? And after this song, um, I'll be in the back if you want to hang out a little bit. But I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. And don't give up. Keep pushing forward. We're indeed stronger together. So thank you. Love you guys.